Exodus chapter 8. This story is a real famous story, but it's a story of Pharaoh and Moses and God dealing with Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron, trying to let, get his people to let to get Pharaoh to let his people go. So what, what God had done is God says, Moses, I'm going to send you. Pharaoh's not going to let him go, even though I'm going I'm to give him a lot of plagues. He's not going to let the people go, but at the end, I'll make sure he lets the people go. And that's the story of the Passover that I talk about where he had to took the blood on the doorpost and... If you, if you got behind the doorpost, a death angel wouldn't, would come by and see the blood. It was a token. You got in the door, you're okay. If not, if you were one of the firstborns, God would kill you right there. That was the last plague. But this is one of the plagues that God sends on Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says something very, very interesting in this. This is what I want to preach on this morning. Pharaoh says something very interesting in this. And so that's what we're going to pick up the story when God's about to send the plague of frogs. This plague of frogs on Pharaoh. Look at chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8 verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. Don't sound like such a bad deal, does it, until you have 10 million frogs around you. But, and so the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers. And over the ponds, and caused frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments, and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. So Aaron was able to bring up these frogs through the rod of Moses, and when those frogs come up, well, the Egyptians can copy the same thing that Moses and Aaron are doing. And I'm going to talk about that later on. Verse 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, because Pharaoh's had about enough of froggies. He don't want no more frogs. Some of y'all think the frogs are cute, but they, he said, I don't want no more. I'm done with frogs. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I'll let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. But look at verses 9 and 10. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee? So what Moses is saying to Pharaoh when he says glory over me, he says have the honor over me. Tell me when you want this to happen. He's saying you know more than me. I'm giving you the honor. You tell me what you want me to do. That glory over me is just another way of saying have honor over me. When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee in thy houses that they, that, that they may remain in the river only? When do you want this to happen? Look at verse 10. And he said tomorrow... And he said, be it according to thy word. Moses says, okay, according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God, and the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from, the, from, from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. And I want to preach this morning on verse 10. I want to preach this morning on verse 10. And he said, Tomorrow, <laughs> one more night with the frogs. 
I want to preach this morning one more night with the frogs. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will lead us, guide us this morning, move among us, Father. Give us the words you want us to hear. And, Lord, I pray, Father, we'll have a heart to receive it, Lord God. And I pray if there's any sinner out there, Lord God, that wants to spend one more night in their sin, Lord God, I pray, Father, you'd convict them, Lord, of it. Lord, I pray, Father, you'd show them their sin and what it's doing to them, Lord God, what it's doing to their family. And Father, Lord, if I have somebody in here, Lord God, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Lord God, that they wouldn't put off salvation for tomorrow, Lord God, that they'd get it done today, get down on their knees, Lord God, and ask, them, ask you to save them, Lord God, and I know you will. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for your precious blood of Jesus Christ, and I thank you for salvation of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray for our loved ones that aren't here this morning, Lord. I pray you bless them, give them traveling mercies, and give them healing, Lord God, and give them emotional healing, Lord God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's a great comforter, and Lord, I pray for their comfort, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. I want to preach this morning one more night, one more night with the frogs. One more night with the frogs. Any, any, any sane person would have said today, when do you want me to get rid of these frogs? You would have thought Pharaoh would have said, well, get rid of them right now. Get rid of them today. But Pharaoh, said, Pharaoh says, hey, uh, how about tomorrow? Just wants to spend one more night with the frogs. I know that story of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross and there was a repentant thief and the repentant thief turned to Jesus Christ and said, Lord, remember me when you're coming to your kingdom. And the Lord didn't turn to him and say, okay, well, tomorrow we'll look into it or someday maybe you'll be with me. Jesus Christ said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Anybody in this room should know that. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now, now is the day of salvation. Right now. You need to make a decision right now. And Pharaoh makes the wrong decision and says, You know, I want to spend just one more night with these frogs. <laughs> makes no sense. What's interesting about frogs in the Bible in Revelation chapter 16, they're described as unclean spirits. Unclean spirits are described as frogs. It says about the Antichrist and about the false prophet, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Frogs are types of unclean spirits. That's why if you go into any kind of a cult shop, you're around anything that has to do with the wickedness of man, you're going to see animals in the Bible that are described as being wicked and evil and associated with uh, demons and unclean spirits. You're going to see images of those. Here's the, here they are. Frogs, dragons, owls, owls, ravens, serpents, you, their, their rings are made out of serpents. They like owls, frogs, all that. Those are all unclean spirits in the Bible. They're all types of unclean spirits in the Bible. And what does man do? Man glorifies almost every one of those creatures that I just uh, gave you. Except for snakes. Everybody hates a snake, amen? If you don't hate, if you don't hate snakes, well, there's something weird about you. Amen. But in this story, in this story of the frogs, these frogs are typed really is a type of sin in a man's life. It's a type of sin in a man's life. Look back at verse 5. Look, at, look up at verse 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. Those frogs were always there. God just called them to come up. Brothers and sisters, any lost man or lost woman in this room or in, uh, that are listening to me, you've got sin. 
you got sin in you. You might not realize it. It might be hidden. You might have it hidden from everybody else, but God knows about it. And listen to me. Sometimes we think of sin. We, when we hear the word sin, especially as Christians, we, we hear the word sin, we automatically think of somebody who's wicked, that's living a wicked lifestyle, and it's so evident to them. But nine times out of ten, when you read the Bible, the sin God's talking about is something that's in a man's heart. You can't see that sin. And that's the hardest sin to get rid of. Envy, strife, pride, jealousy, hatred. That stuff doesn't manifest itself out. You can't see it in a person's heart. But God sees it. And see what God is doing here with these frogs? He's manifesting out these frogs. He's, it's revealing to, to Pharaoh that you have a million, bazillion frogs in your land. You don't know about them, but they're in there. They're in the rivers. They're in the seas. And brothers and sisters, you've got sin in you. It's, it's hidden down. It's in down that God reveals sin to a lost man or woman. See, a lot of times, what's the hardest part about winning somebody to Jesus Christ is convincing them that they're a sinner. Because when you, when you witness somebody, you talk to somebody, you say, listen, you know, you need Jesus Christ. You need Je and you, okay, well, why do I need Jesus Christ? Well, you need Jesus Christ because you're a sinner, and one day God's going to judge you for that sin. And when you try to talk to them, well, I'm not bad. Yeah, you are. You're bad. And you almost insult them. I'm not bad. Look, I, my, you should see what my neighbor's doing. You should see what somebody... They always try to justify themselves. But see, you're not going to be judged by what your neighbor did. You're going to be judged by what you did. God's not, you're going to stand in heaven and God's not going to say, Okay, I'm going to put all of Keegan's sins on this side of the scale. And I'm going to put all of Keegan's neighbor Raul's sins on this side of the scale. And if Raul has been worse than Keegan, then Keegan gets to go, but Raul has to not go. That's not how it works. Anywhere, any place in the Bible. You know, who's going to be, you know who's going to answer for your sins? You are. And you're a sinner. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. Everyone's a sinner. You're, all, you're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. And what happens is with these frogs, what God's doing to Pharaoh, he's manifesting these things out. He's bringing them out. He's just revealing them to you. And that's what God does to a sinner. He reveals these sins to you. Look at verses 3 and 4. Let me show you something else about these frogs as sin. Verses 3 and 4. Go back up to verse 3. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, shall bring forth sin, which shall go up and to come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, upon thy bed, into the house of thy servants, upon thy people, into thine ovens, into thy kneading trough. Can you imagine? So it was just frogs. What's the big deal about frogs? But you open up the refrigerator, all these frogs fall out. You go to open up the oven. You want to cook something in the oven. There's a bunch of frogs in there croaking. I mean, get, you get tired of it after a while. You go put your shoes on. There's a frog at the bottom of your shoe. Croak, croak, croak. Ribbit, ribbit. You know, everywhere you go, there's frogs. Go sit down. You sit down on a frog. That gets old. Verse 4, though. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, that's Pharaoh, upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. What sin does and what frogs do and that what we see that frogs are doing and what sin does, it affects everybody around you negatively. This sin that you have, these frogs that you have, they're not just for you. God didn't say, I'm going to send the frogs just to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's house, just to his house. God said, no, I'm going to send it to you and to send everybody else is going to deal with frogs. Everybody else is dealing with frogs. And that's what sin does. Sin affects everybody around you negatively. If you're so, if you're going to, and I've had people do that, boast to me. I've had them do it to me. Boast to me like, well, I'm a sinner, I'm proud of it. Yeah, but your sin is not just affecting you. Your, your sin is affecting everybody around you. 
You might not want to admit it. You might not realize it. Maybe you're so selfish you don't realize it. But ask, any, ask anybody in this room who's dealt with somebody, a loved one that's an alcoholic, and they'll tell you that sin affects everybody around them. Everybody. And that's what sin does. Sin affects everybody negatively. But it also can affect people positively when you, get a, when you become a born-again Christian in Jesus Christ. It works both sides of the coin. Your sin can affect your community, your family, your workplace, your workers, your, everybody around you, your wife, your husband, your spouse. Sin will do that. But on the other side of the coin, when you, get, when you become a born-again Christian in Jesus Christ, your, your Christian life can affect positively everybody around you, including your dog. Brother Chick out there at Bangs, he pastored out at Bangs, he, he told the story that when he got saved, when he'd come home before he was saved, he'd come home and his dog would see him and his dog would run and hide up underneath the house and wouldn't have nothing to do with him. He said, when I got saved, I got to the gate, when I was saved, when I got to the gate, that dog come running up to me, wagging his tail and want me to pet him. He said, my dog could tell the difference in me. Amen. And when you, when, you get, when you become knowledgeable and get around Jesus Christ, get saved, you start living that Christian life, and the Lord starts living in you through the Holy Spirit, your whole family is going to notice it. Positively. Amen. I, I've told this story a hundred times, but it's so good. Guys, listen to me. Dwight Moody was having a revival and he had a man get up there that had been dealing with, was an alcoholic and he got saved. And he was telling his conversion, telling about how Jesus Christ had delivered him from alcohol. And there was a man out in the crowd and the man out in the crowd said, it's only a dream. It's only a dream. It's only a dream. And that guy was heckling that man up on the stage. And about that time, that man felt somebody tug on his jacket and he looked down and there was a little girl down there. And that little girl turned to that man that had been heckling the other man on the stage. He goes, she said, that man on the stage is my dad. And if it's only a dream, don't wake him up. If it's only a dream, don't wake him up. What does that mean? She knew the difference between her dad before he was a Christian and now that he's in the dream, you're just living a fantasy. That Christianity's all fake. When you get around somebody who's living that fake, whatever they call fake Christianity, it sure makes the world a lot better place. I haven't seen a lot of atheist names on hospitals lately. Have you? I haven't. But I know I've been to a lot of hospitals that have all kinds of people's names on it that are Christians. Maybe it's just me, but I think Christianity's been pretty good for everybody. Now the, question, the question was asked of a preacher one time, like, well, how heavy is sin? Because we talk about Christians, and pastors always say sin is heavy. It's a heavy burden. And this young man came to the pastor and said, you, you know, how heavy is sin? I mean, is it like 15 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds? He was mocking the pastor. The pastor said, well, if I took, if I took a 200-pound weight and put it on a dead man, could he feel it? And that young man said, no. He goes, just like somebody like you with a soul that's dead, he can't feel the sin it's carrying either. Until the Holy Spirit comes into a man and says and reveals, you got a bunch of frogs in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You're walking along, you think everything's life's pretty good, and then God shows up in your life and says, hey, look at this. And the sin is revealed to you. All these frogs, and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Everyone, everyone has frog problems. Look at verse 7. Everyone has frog problems. Look at verse 7. And the magicians did so... The magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. So the magicians, and you'll see this, the magicians could copy and mimic what Moses was doing right up until creation. 
When they took the sand, dirt, dust, and they, they said, oh, we're going to bring lice, and they went, Moses threw the dust up there, and it turned to lice over. Can you imagine that one? Woo! Can you imagine just the whole land being full of fleas? Lice like that? That's what Moses does through the hand of God. He brings up that, throws it up there. So the Bible says that whenever he did that, he created the lice out of the dust. You know what those magicians said? They turned to Pharaoh and said, this is nothing but the finger of God. We can't do that. We can mimic that. We can copy that. We think we know how that magician did that. But uh, that's the finger of God. So what verse 7 shows you is that the world realizes and can recognize sin in a man's life. The, the world recognizes that. The world recognizes that man has a sin of alcoholism. What does alcohol mean? When you say somebody's an alcoholic, what you're saying is alky, that's a chemical. It's nothing but a drug, right? It's just the most dangerous drug because it's legal. Alky. Holic. Holic. What's holic mean? Holy given. Holy given to alky. So the world can realize that man has a problem because he's holy given to alcohol. That's all he thinks about. They, see, they, they can see this. Now, the world can't really see sin that we know that's in the heart. They recognize that, that that person's too jealous or that person's too envious. They recognize that. The world can show you your sin, but the problem is the world can't do nothing about it. Because if I was Pharaoh, my magician said, look, I can create frogs just like that. I said, hey, hey, come here, idiot boy. Come here. And just like a, a Three Stooges cartoon, I'd, I'd bring them over there and I'd... I'd slap him in the face, wake him up, you know, do like Benny, Benny Hill and pat him on top of the head. Like, come here. Get rid of the frogs, idiot boy. I don't need more frogs. I don't need you to tell me, hey, there's a lot of frogs. I need you to get rid of the frogs. They can mimic it, but they can't get rid of the frogs. You see that? The only thing that's going to get rid of the frogs in your life, the only thing that's going to get rid of the sin in your life is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. That's the only one. That's the only one that died for you. That's the only one that loves you enough to try to cleanse you of your sin. That's the only one that loves you enough to tell you that you have sin. Some of us have loved ones that love us so much they'll tell us our faults. That's a blessing. Now, we don't like it, amen. Especially if it's our spouse. <laughs> we don't like that one bit. But some of us have loved ones that love us enough to say, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing that. That's how much the Lord loves you. He loves you enough to not worry about offending you. Look at, the, look at, verse, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. And he said to Mara. <laughs> he said to Mara. Because they asked him, when do you want us to remove these frogs? And he said to Mara. See, to Pharaoh, you've got to understand where Pharaoh's coming from. To Pharaoh, these frogs represent his God. And if you study this out, every one of these plagues that God sent against Pharaoh was against one of their gods, lowercase g. They're false gods. They worship the river Nile. He turned it into blood. They worship frogs. So you know what? You worship these frogs. I'm going to bring all these frogs up on your land. These frogs to Pharaoh had a god named Hecate. And this, this god named Hecate was a god of fertility. So when you have bazillions of frogs, Pharaoh, in maybe in the back of his mind, is thinking, maybe this is just a sign from my god, and this is not something that Moses is doing through his god, Jehovah God. Just maybe. 
I hope. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot to put on eternity. I hope I'm going to make it. I hope that this will work. I hope that this is the right way. I hope just maybe I'm doing the right thing. Just maybe this will get rid of my sin. Just maybe God will be happy with me. I don't want any maybes and hopes. I don't know about y'all, but when I would get to heaven, I want to know. Paul said, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Guys, we, we, you need to know if you're going to heaven or not. John wrote, I, I wrote these things unto you that you, I wrote these things unto you that ye may know you have eternal life. Do you know? Now I know. And it ain't because of me. It ain't because of me coming to church. It ain't me being a preacher. You know how I know I have eternal life? Because I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he cleansed me and washed me in his precious blood. But that's what a sinner will do. That's what a lost man will do. A lost man will say, maybe everything's going to be okay in the end. Everything will be okay. Everything's going to be okay. It'll be okay. And the world will even tell you, hey, you're going to be okay. And if you can't fix it, this is what the world's latest thing they do. If you can't fix your sin, then they try to say that sin is a good thing. Amen. That's what they do to you. Your sin is wicked. Your sin is evil. But you know what? You can't fix it, so that must be the way you should be. Just keep living like that. Do I need to go into who's doing that? Most of us know we shouldn't overeat. Amen? All right. I know I got some skinny people in here to say amen. Amen. So what they're doing now, you got these women that weigh 300, 400 pounds, and I'm not making fun of them because they, they, need, they need to look at their weight. And so what they're doing is like, she's just, they're putting them up on magazine covers and saying, this is the new you. And they're glorifying that. The point is, is like, no, she needs, that's not healthy. She needs to look at trying to get a little healthier, right? And I'm not making fun of it. Guys, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying that's an example of what the world's doing. They're taking somebody who's dealing with something that needed to get fixed, and they're glorifying it. I'm here to tell you this morning that it's not going to be okay. Frogs around you, frogs around you, frogs in your, in, your, in your bed, frogs in your house, frogs all around you, frogs all around your neighbors, frogs in your family. It's not going to be okay. Because what's going to happen is one day you're going to run into a holy God. And he doesn't like frogs. And he's going to say, you got frogs, you need to leave. You know, I deal with, uh, work, where, I, where I work, uh, I deal with uh, bed bugs. I pick up all kinds of furniture in the city that have bed bugs on them. And I'll have a new guy come to work for me, and we'll pull up there, and there'll be a couch out there. Guys, I'm telling you, these couches I pick up are better than the couch I have in my living room. I mean, like six, $700 couch. We'll pull up there, and the guy, the kid will get out. He'll be like 19, 20 years old. Go, Man, look at that couch. Man, I could use that at my apartment. Look at that. There's nothing wrong with it. And I'm like, mm-mm-mm-mm. <laughs> no, 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 no. I guarantee you they got bed bugs on it. You can't see them, but they're there. They didn't throw that out just because they got tired of it. There's something wrong with that. Sure enough. But people that don't know, people that don't have the knowledge like I have, I'll see a, I'll see a couch like that, or I'll see, I've seen mattresses, and I can, I can see a mattress that tells you it's had bed bugs. That mattress will be there, and before I can pick it up, somebody else has come and picked it up. it's a nice mattress it's a nice couch it's a nice piece of furniture and it's got bed bugs on it 
That's sin. We don't see it. We don't realize it. But it's there. It's everywhere. And God's not going to be okay with it. It's not okay. What he's saying there tomorrow, he's saying, give me one more night. Just give me one more night. I don't want to give this sin up. I don't want to give it up. Let me, let me make a decision tomorrow. Just, just give me one more night with my sin. Just let me. And we, have, we all have these sins that we coddle and we, we justify and we, we pet them and we feed them and they're okay. And we think oh, God's okay with it. And the Holy Spirit is convicting us saying, it's not okay. You need to get rid of that. You need to deal with that. And we keep coddling it and we keep hiding it and we keep thinking God's going to be okay with that as we hide it into the deep recesses of our heart. But God is trying to draw it out and said, I want that out of there. And we don't want to let go of it. We're like, Lord God, I know you want me to get rid of it. I know it's bad, but will you give me just one more night? Tomorrow, tomorrow I'll deal with it. Tomorrow I'll take care of it. You know how much I love Dwight O. Moody. I'll tell you another Dwight O. Moody story. One time Dwight O. Moody was dealing with a man that had been in his class and was trying to lead him to Jesus Christ. And the young man kept saying, no, I'm not ready. Uh, Mr. Moody, one of these days I'm going to go out to the West. I want to make my money. And then when I come back, I'll get saved. So the man got sick. This young man got sick. Dwight O'Moody went up to the, real sick. He went up to the hospital, talked to the young man, got him, got him on his bed. He was sick on a sick bed. And he said, young man, you need to receive Jesus Christ. He said, I'm not ready. I'm going to get off this bed. And when I get healed, I get uh, feeling better. I'm going to go out west. I'm going to make my money. And then I'll come back and get saved. That man, young man got off the bed of affliction. He got to feeling better. One day, Dwight Moody's at his house. He hears a knock at his door. Here comes that young man. The young man comes in. He says, hey, Mr. Moody, I just want to let you know I'm leaving out. I'm finally getting to go out west. I'm going to go out there and make my fortune, make my money. And Dwight Moody said, well, son, have you gotten saved yet? And he got mad at Dwight Moody. He said, I don't want to hear another thing from you about it. When I come back, that's when I'll get saved. Now, don't talk to me anymore about it. And Dwight Moody said that in his heart, he knew that was it. That was it. Later on that night, he got woke up again. This time it was a young man's wife. Oh, Mr. Moody, please come. Please, sir. my husband, he's on his bed and he's really, really sick. Please come, please come. And Dwight Moody was honest with him. He goes, it's too late. I, I, I don't think he's, he, he got angry with me. There's something about, no, no, please. So she insisted to the point where she had him go. He showed up. He went into the room. He went in where he was laying there. And he was laying there on his bed with his eyes staring up at the ceiling, he wasn't recognizing nobody. He was saying two words over and over and over again. And those two words he kept saying was, too late. Too late. Dotto Moody got next to him and started trying to read the Bible to him. Started trying to tell him about Jesus Christ again. And he didn't acknowledge Dotto Moody is there. He never acknowledged one minute that Dotto Moody came into the room. And Dotto Moody said, as I sat there, that young man went off into eternity. He never changed what he said. And the last words on his dying lips was, too late. Too late. Too late. Look at verse 10. And he said, tomorrow. Pharaoh said, yeah, tomorrow get rid of these frogs. Tomorrow I'll get rid of this sin. And he said, now that he said is Moses replying back to Pharaoh. Look what Moses is. And he said, be it according to thy word. It's your choice, Pharaoh. You want tomorrow? I'll give it to you tomorrow. You want today? I'll give it to you today. You want it right now? I'll give it to you right now. But it's your choice. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's your choice. No one else's. Amen? Uh, I don't know if uh, Gibson remembers this, but do you remember that, that pirate that came into the school? I don't know how old you were. Remember that pirate came into the school and was teaching y'all? 
And when that pirate, there was this pirate that came in, and he was telling the kids, I think it was about bullying and maybe how to say arg or something like that. I don't know what he was teaching y'all guys. But one of the things he said, because Kathy happened to be there and told me what he said, was one of the things he said to the kids there, he told y'all guys, you're not a winner. You remember that? He said, you're not a winner. And of course, all the kids are like, oh, no. He said, but you're not a loser. You're not a winner, and you're not a loser. You're a chooser. You're a chooser. Profound, coming from a pirate. <laughs> it's profound. Why? That's the truth. Life is not about winning and losing. Life's about choosing. And here Pharaoh chooses the wrong choice. He could have said, today, give it to me right now. But he said, no, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Billy Graham woke up in the middle of the night, was woke up in the middle of the night, and he said, Billy Graham said, I was pressing my spirit about Marilyn Monroe. And I felt like the Spirit was telling me, you need to get a hold of Marilyn Monroe and tell her about me. So Billy Graham got up. The next day, he called Marilyn Monroe, tried to get a hold of Marilyn Monroe, got a hold of her agent. And he told his agent, her agent, I need to speak to Marilyn. And her agent says, well, she's really, really busy. I'll get her to get a hold of you next, in a couple of weeks. In two weeks, Marilyn Monroe was found dead. Hey, not today, tomorrow, not this week, maybe next week I'll talk to her about you. Uh, she don't have time for you. The Lord was trying to give her a chance. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Give me one more night. Give me one more night with those frogs. Look at verse uh, 14. Look at verse 14. And after, they, after the Lord got rid of the frogs the next day, verse 14, they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. The land stank. There are heaps and heaps of sin in America today. Heaps of it. How must that stink to the Lord God? Can you imagine how that must stink to the Lord God? Now, you want to talk about stinking, I can tell you what stinks and what stinks because I work at a landfill, around a landfill. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what stinks. You know what stinks to high heaven that some of y'all might not realize stinks to high heaven? Dead grass. Rotting grass. Rotted grass. When you get somebody who puts like grass or something in a bag and it has time to ferment, ugh, get that on your gloves all day long. You're dealing with that. Of course, what's obvious? You know what stinks? One, a one week, one week, dead deer. When a dead deer has been hit, they don't call me in on it. They send me out in my crane truck to go pick that dead deer up, and that thing stinks. Stinks. Maggots everywhere. Y'all ready for lunch? Maggots everywhere. Nasty. Pick that thing up, it'll be stinking to high heaven. You know what I like to do? I like to get in my crane truck, I get that dead deer on there, and I like to pull up to a traffic light, and then I watch what other people are, how other people are reacting. They'll pull up there, and you'll see them pull up there like this, and then they'll be like, ew. What's, uh, you just see them, and of course, we're just dying laughing there. We just love it, you know. You've got to get your enjoyment somehow or another. You've got to get your enjoyment somehow or another. You can't hide it. There's nothing to do to get rid of that smell. Nothing. It's like if a man woke up and a woman woke up and they smelt their natural gas, you know how they put that smell in there so you, can, you know it's, it's on, and they smelt that in the house like, oh my gosh, honey, the, the, the stove has been left on. I can smell gas all through the house. And your wife or your husband gets up and says, okay, honey, I'll go get the cologne. And goes back in there and goes, quish, 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 and just sprays it all over, <laughs> sprays it all over you, sprays it all over themselves. So, okay, well, I think everything will be okay and gets back down in bed and goes back to sleep. That's what the world does. God shows up in a man's life or a woman's life, says you've got sin, you've got a problem, and they try to cover it up. And they think, nobody, no, nobody will be able to smell this. 
God can smell it. You know what would be the scariest thing God could do? This morning, if God was to come down and say, okay, guys, I'm going to let your sin stink. <laughs> your sin is going to have a smell to it. I guarantee you this, these doors will be open. These windows will be open because it would stink to high heaven in here. Amen? <laughs> Y'all didn't like that one, did you? Hey, I'm not saying where the stink would come from, amen? It might be come from a couple of us. But it would stink to high heaven in here, right? I know you wouldn't want to be around me. I'd be pretty stinky. If sin stank, the frogs stank, and they were in heaps and heaps, and the land stank. The land stank. But look at verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, respite is a period of temporary relief. So whenever it was all done and they had the frogs kind of hidden out and the frogs were kind of took care of, now the land still stank. There's still a problem there, but there was a respite. There was a little temporary relief. Pharaoh says, you know what? I don't think it was as bad as I remember. And his heart hardens. When things start going better, when the results of sin is not as evident, that's when men turn their back on God. I know when I'm doing funerals, a lot of times I'll have people come up to me after a funeral, during a funeral, and they're heartbroken. They're like, I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to start going to church. I need to get back in church. And You know, their heart is broken. They, they, they see what sin brings. It brings death, and they don't want to... They, they, the death is real and evident to them. But when they get done, and they go out to eat, and they get home, and they start watching TV again, start playing around on the computer, all that stuff kind of floats away, and they kind of put it at the back of their mind, and there's a respite. And it's not as big a deal. I know there's some rivers down in Peru. Well, they're not really rivers, but there's temporary rivers. But they're coming from the mountains. And what happens is during the daytime when the sun hits those mountaintops and starts warming up all that snow, it creates a river. And that river comes on down. And it looks like a beautiful river. But it, when it starts coming nighttime, it starts getting colder and darker up in those mountains, that snow freezes again and that river dries up. So many lost men and women, they're in the days of their lives. They're living and everything's great, sunshiny. No, oh, man, life's wonderful. Sunshine, I've got a great job, I've got a good car, I've got a good house. It's the sunshine of my life. And then nighttime drops. And the river dries up. And you know what they hear? They hear the frogs croaking. <laughs> they're always there. They were always there. You just don't hear them croaking. But they're croaking. <laughs> ribbit, ribbit. Look at verse 15 in closing. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Don't harden your heart to the Lord's knocking. If the Lord has been knocking on your heart this morning about some sin you have in your life or knocking on your heart about salvation in Jesus Christ, how you need to get saved, and you are like that young man, you said, well, someday I'll do it. Someday I'll put my, I'll think about it someday. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart to the Lord's knocking. In Revelation 3, 20, Jesus Christ says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and we will sup with him and he with me. If the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart, don't take your heart's door and lock it and latch it and bolt it and put a thing over it and say, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ because I can't guarantee you He's coming back by again. 
There, the, the Lord Jesus Christ is always there for you to get saved. Always. Any place, anywhere, anytime, any time of day or night, He will save you. But He's not always knocking. He's not always knocking. And what happens is, to a man or woman, God will send somebody into their life. A lost man or woman, God sends them to somebody into life. Maybe send some literature, a gospel track, or maybe something through the radio or TV somewhere. And God will speak to their heart through the Holy Spirit and start knocking on the door of their heart saying, Will you let me in? And you got frogs. I, I, you can hear them croaking and He reveals your sin to you. And there's that moment where you say, There's somebody knocking and I'm going to lock it and I don't want Jesus in here. I can tell you that there was a time in my life where God knocked on my heart. Strong. And I said, you know what? I'm done living this life. I'm looking around my house. My house of my life is a wreck. And I need some help. I can't do this anymore. And I reached down and I said, Lord Jesus, will you please come in? Will you please come in? And the Lord said, I'd be more than happy to. And the Lord came in and started cleaning up my life. It's not completely clean, and it's never going to be completely clean, because I'm living in this rotted old house that's fallen down. But I know I'm saved. And even though I've got frogs croaking out every night, and they do, anybody who's been around me knows I've got frogs in my life, I'm still going to get to go to heaven. Because when he come by and knocked on my door of my heart, I didn't say, Lord, I'm not ready today. Will you come back tomorrow? See, any good salesman knows you don't let them do that. Any good salesman knows you don't let them sleep on it, right? That's why they pressure you. That's why we hate salesmen. They pressure us because they know if they can get you to do it right then, everything will be okay if they'll get you to do it. But if you say, tomorrow, it's not going to happen. Nine times out of ten. But today's the day. If you don't know Jesus Christ, why not? Don't put it off. Don't spend one more night sleeping with the frogs. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18 he went on to say something interesting for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you but in verse 18 he says something that's amazing he says that he that believeth on him is not condemned he's stressing a faith it's putting your faith into Jesus Christ but he says there in verse 18 but he that believeth not is condemned already. 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.